Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Jonathan Edwards. How's it going? That's going good. <laughs> um, I Sometimes I ask this question at, at the very start. How do we know each other? Uh, uh, through the school, through uh, University of Central Oklahoma. That Both of us are in the composition program mm-hmm. and got to... Let's see, which class was that? Uh, that was a theory pedagogy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fun. I really, I actually really did enjoy that class. Same. Um, although the elementary teaching stuff was was probably more difficult for, mm-hmm. I guess, both of us since we were a little bit more uh, detail-oriented. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it was a little easy to get... Uh, Stack up too much work <laughs> yeah, yeah. for one, that, you know, for what was supposed to be a fifteen-minute presentation. Yeah, towards the end, it was getting like forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, what do you do? Well, uh, a lot. Uh, it's uh, I'm, you know, cellist and a composer, and beyond that, it's I do lighting and audio engineering and video work and. Started picking up photography and working with LEDs, and day job is mostly running sound for places and being a piano technician. But I, uh, yeah, that's kind of like getting a second bachelor's degree sometimes because I've been doing that now for five years and about yeah. to test for that. And so, oh, geez. But it's, uh, yeah, no, I have long background in science. And so it was just kind of my way of finding something to do that wasn't working a day job nine to five. Somewhere. Yeah. And so I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Well, let's start with the science side since I have so many musicians on this podcast. (laughs) What is your your science background? Um, When I was in high school, I went to a school called the Classen School of Advanced Studies, which was a public magnet school in Oklahoma City. Okay. And it was split into two tracks where you had the artistic track and then you had the in, what was called international baccalaureate which was just a different type of advanced placement type studies mm-hmm. and i was in the arts program but they gave you full reign to you know enroll in any of the classes as long as you had the grades yeah um and so each semester without even realizing it i got an award at the end of on my diploma that was a it was called the four by four something but it was i took four elective science and math classes each (laughs) semester throughout the year and so it was by the time i got done i had taken three years of chemistry uh three years of biology two years of physics um uh, psychology for a year and astronomy and astrophysics uh, both in high school and as a college like con- uh, well, concurrent studies sure, thing sure. and anatomy physiology and all those and then <laughs> took all the way up through calculus and just because it was it was always a debate to me whether I wanted to go into astronomy or engineering or go into music mm-hmm. and I uh, chose music because it just had the most freedom that it was the chance to, you know, it, when given the option to do anything, mm-hmm. it's do, you know, do what's the most, at least <laughs> satisfying. And it's it's been a trip getting it to work, but, yeah. you know, especially as the economy's changed. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's been, yeah, kind of a trip of just over the years <laughs> of really trying to learn just as much as I can about, you know, just as many subjects as I can. Mm-hmm. But in particular, 
I, I probably know as much as at least, you know, somebody with a bachelor's degree in astronomy or cosmology okay. can do most of the math. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, it's, now I'm having, at the point to where to proceed kind of in anything, I'm having to learn more programming. And that was the yeah. one thing that I wish I took back then with all those other courses mm-hmm. was just a computer programming class. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> now I'm having to teach myself again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... You know, it, it's so full of applications now that mm-hmm. I, you know, since I know all the ways to apply it, it's now just sitting there going, okay, how do I take all these pieces and actually make something that works and is useful? And right. it's the same problem you run into in music. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, you, you have all of these notes available and it's, you know, staff is nothing more than really just graph. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, you know, pitch over time. Mm-hmm. And then you have all the little elements that add <laughs> the nuance to it, but you just <laughs> let's see you you find a problem you know whether it's in your piece of music or in something you're trying to build and mm-hmm. it's just the same process of trial and error of coming up walking yourself through the scientific method whether you realize yeah, yeah. it or not and it's it's amazing to me especially now that I'm at the point where it's starting to really manifest mm-hmm that how much it all really does play together Um, yeah and it's it's just been fantastic now that i've been in masters and and gotten through the majority of it to where now i really get to start experimenting with Mm -hmm. you know all these new tool sets that i've learned through the school and through just on my own and it's a master's degree has definitely been worth it for me yeah yeah i mean i i honestly think that if you listener, if you have just like considered getting a master's degree, do it because it's like it's not a, the full like mm-hmm. four year yeah. dedication that it takes. Mm-hmm. It, it's really just like here's some extra stuff that you get. You just get to dive in a lot deeper, mm-hmm. and it's you're already at the point to where I like this thing enough to keep pursuing it, and so that's kind of where your motivation is. Yeah, guess. exactly, <laughs> and. It really comes down to, for the master's degree compared to bachelor's degree, bachelor's degree for me especially just felt like a perseverance test. Mm -hmm. Can you make it through it to the end? Because (laughs) it just drags on. And by the time you're at year four, for most of us, year five, (laughs) uh, I made it to uh, year five and got all of my classes done and found out the last, like I was applying for graduation Mm -hmm. and found out I still owed them four credit hours of piano. Ah. And that's two years of private lessons. Mm -hmm. And I stacked it all in one year and just did (laughs) piano for 40 hours a week. And oh, wow, did that hurt. (laughs) I'm sure you got Uh, really good at piano really quickly, though. No, it was more that I got better at understanding what was happening as an instrument and why it's a percussion instrument. Mm It, my professor really came at it from more of a composition standpoint since that was my major. Yeah. And he uh, also was a kung fu master, which was just so much fun. <laughs> um, but he, uh, the first lesson, though, he did the thing where, he, you know, sit, you sit down and you, you play something, you know, and they look at you and they tell you, you know, I want to say this nicely, but you're doing it all wrong. Yes. <laughs> and so we went through that, but this was the first time I'd had a class or not a class uh, a class piano it was just me one-on-one with somebody mm-hmm. with a doctorate and he actually had two and was one in piano pedagogy and one in piano performance if mm-hmm. i remember right 
Um, but the first thing he did after chatting with me and finding out I had a physics background mm-hmm. was pulled out the action of the piano and walked nice. me through what was happening. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I never, I had no idea about how yeah, a piano yeah. actually worked on the inside. And, you know, when you, when you strike it and when you change your movements and add those nuance to your wrists and your hands and mm-hmm. your you know, understanding how your back connects to your fingertips, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that through that process, it really got me to think much more physically about the piano as opposed yeah. to just playing it like a musical typewriter. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> in a class piano, that's what you get. Yeah. You get those same, you know, there are notes on reasonably the page. inexpensive you hit the keyboards. Notes on and, things. Yeah, and it sounds like it does, and you just type it in, and it all comes out of the same articulation because mm-hmm. those pianos don't have great sample sets. And <laughs> it just, you know, it, it really made such a difference for me as a mm-hmm. composer and as a musician to have that kind of a teacher. Mm-hmm. And that also is what got me interested in learning to repair instruments. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, in high school, my day job, uh, or I guess after school job, um, right. was um, working at a violin shop, repairing violins and okay. basses, and well, violins, violas, cellos, and basses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I learned to fix guitars just on the side with yeah. refurbishing my own and helping people you know, set the levels on theirs. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> How did you get started doing music? What was the first uh, <laughs> thing that drew you in? Uh, my uh, parents were both advanced amateur to professional, depending on when you asked them over the course of my <laughs> life. Um, that my dad was a, he had a degree in electrical engineering, but he, at night, he would go out and play in jazz and blues bands mm. playing Hammond organ. <laughs> and so as a little kid, I grew up sitting between his Leslie cabinet and the ride cymbal of the drum kit oh, just sitting wow. there behind it. <laughs> and so that was, you know, it, that was one big side of it. And then on my mom's side that she uh, was church pianist mm. and organist and was way better than or is way better than she gives herself credit for sure, even sure. now. But um, that now she picked up harp at 50 and now she's been doing that for the last number of years (laughs) um and so but i was you know both of them went into other degree programs Mm -hmm. in music because especially back when they were in school it was much more you do it this way or no way right um and so they just didn't you know they wanted to actually enjoy it you know in their own ways and (laughs) Um, so for me, they were both really proud of me for, you know, wanting to pursue music Mm -hmm. and everything. You're supposed to enjoy music school. Yeah. And, and, (laughs) you know, it does get hard sometimes, (laughs) but, you know, it, it wasn't that bad. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it was more the things outside of school that end up dominating your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it certainly did not spend all of my time practicing when I was in (laughs) undergrad, but, you know, I don't regret any of that time, Mm. but it definitely is one of those you do have to put in the time and can't just you know go out and party and then have to work all the time to make up that difference and then hope yeah. that you're still going to do well in your lessons mm-hmm. and um that uh, you know it's what causes so many people to drop out yeah but well especially nowadays because uh those mm-hmm. loans keep going oh, up they and do. The, the work yeah just you just <laughs> have to work more mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and and especially nowadays, just as as wide as the market is, because there's no monolithic companies you go sure. and get signed by. It's 
<laughs> you just throw it out online and hope for the best mm-hmm. and yeah, but anyway, getting yeah, it's just, not like you want to yeah. get signed by those monolithic companies, anyways. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Then you get shoehorned into you know a committee essentially, yeah. you know, just designed by committee. Which that you poor know, yodeling you look, kid. Oh, I know. But <laughs> then again, you know, it's you, you know, you sign up for what you want to sign up for when you get the choice mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Yeah, and some people just take what comes, and you know, sometimes you just have to know when to ask the right questions to make sure they're mm-hmm. going to be a good fit for you that almost any time you're working as a musician you're interviewing them as your client yeah. because you know if they're if they're going to you know not take you seriously when you're talking in that first conversation about mm-hmm. what they're looking for then it's not worth going through the trouble and you know having to deal with all the changes down the road if they're trying to micromanage everything but <laughs> you know it's you you just learn to work through it bit by bit and piece together an income and but yeah, your question was about my child. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, what is your primary instrument? Primary instrument is cello. Okay. That I got. I was started on piano when I was a kid, just to tie that in. Mm-hmm. Um, at uh, around four or so, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's I, uh, my parents would of course have me noodling on stuff <laughs> when I was a kid, just sitting there playing just noise. But, you know, I, I started messing with, like, my dad's synthesizers when I was about four and, like, That's just cool. making, like, rainstorms and other just cacophonous yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was, you know. And now you get to do it, but you, you're uh-huh. getting college credit for yeah, it. So. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. It is so great to just be able to, like, throw stuff at a page and then mess with it and then make it a little bit better and then go back and, like, insert it into something. And then you're like, I have a piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's so, yeah. It's, and, like, you know, getting to do things that now that... Yeah, you know, one nice thing about knowing how to repair so many instruments mm-hmm. and equipment as well and soldering and all that kind of fun mm-hmm. um, is that when things break, you can fix it. But on the other side of it, that you can intentionally not break necessarily it. break it, yeah, but yeah. quote break it um, to get all sorts of different effects out of it and mm-hmm. not be worried about if you do actually break it to not be able to take care of it. Yeah. Um, and so like with the piano that, you know, it's if I... There's some neat sounds you can get by adjusting some of the mm-hmm. the, the parameters of it, mm-hmm. and it's you know if you go too far you can break hammers off sure. and all that kind of stuff and just being able to go back in there and just pop it off and put a new you know put it onto a new hammer shank and you know that 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 <laughs> it it's it's so much fun you know it's just how much time is there in a day right uh, <laughs> yep um so what is your your primary composition method do you start on piano do you just make noise it just depends on the day what i'm writing it for come you know it's i have different different practices for commercial and personal Mm -hmm. um commercial work is is honestly for me so much easier because it's when you have a good team that you're working with Mm. that you have the script in front of you it's not going to change 30 times before you, <laughs> you know, hit the final yeah. export. So this is and so, scoring. Yeah. It's so you can actually sit down and write it with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and on those, it just really depends on what it's for. Yeah. You know, it's uh, and a lot of what I end up doing is sound design work in the end mm-hmm. um, is just making whatever the atmosphere to connect all the tissue of things together. Exactly. Um, and just... You know, when it comes to personal stuff, it's a bit of everything <laughs> that I try to keep myself on my toes mm-hmm. um, and just, 
you know, sometimes it's good to start at a piano and just come up with some chords or come up with a melodic line mm-hmm. or just an interesting motive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a lot of motivic work just because it's useful in just so many different ways to be mm-hmm. able to build new rhythm sets and be able to build new melodic sets and break out of when you get in those patterns of sounding like you're making the same thing every time. Yeah. That that's one of the ways that I like to do it is just literally cut up the piece of paper and rearrange it and flip some of them upside down. You know, just all those ways to break not just writer's block, but monotony. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I went into composition without an intent to do a specific style, but more just what kinds of venue and display I'd want to have it performed in. Yeah, yeah. Um, of like, I like doing things with dancers in particular, that mm-hmm. it's just so, so much fun to be an improviser and also be classically trained so much, so, so thoroughly yeah. that, you know, when you're sitting there working with them, you can improvise something that they can then improvise off of and you can stay consistent enough that they can actually start paying attention to their movements and do repetition and, you know, you're building a piece and a work together that mm-hmm. is both performance art, but also can be recorded and then turned into all sorts of other things yeah. using video effects. And so, you know, it's the training to do one thing can lead to all of the others just yeah. very easily by just putting in, you know, the time and the dedication over just mm-hmm. bit by bit every day over years, the same way <laughs> that you write a symphony, you know, mm-hmm. you sit down and you put down eight measures at a time if you have to, <laughs> but given enough time, you'll finish it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been kind of my working philosophy for being spread so thin is just <laughs> to bit by bit by bit by bit. Mm-hmm. And it does add up over time. And yeah. it's, you know, ba- the hardest part of life at the moment is, uh, you know, other than finances, of course, is just <laughs> balancing that that just time constraint of, you mm-hmm. know, you get home, you feel like you do want to lay down and sometimes you do. <laughs> and then you don't get back up in time to actually make something. Sure. But, you know, when you can just, you sit down and you just put it together piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And I like to do a lot of improvisation type stuff because when you're just by yourself doing electronic and acoustic and, sure. and trying to put together video with it, you have to just limit things down to what mm-hmm. you can accomplish by yourself within a time limit that you right. learn to set. And, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, it's, geez, it's 2 a.m. Maybe I yeah. should probably get some sleep. <laughs> uh-huh. Or, you know, oh, it'll only take me five minutes to set up. 30 minutes later. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and <laughs> learning to just make those you know decisions and stick to them because tomorrow you can mm. always come back and do something else. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, I'd say most of the time I usually start though in terms of starting a composition, I'll start with an idea in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, either something, you know, visual or textural, you know, either mm-hmm. you know, audio, visual, visual. Um, and then I'll just sit down and try and make things that fit that. And then I'll mm. pick from those. Yeah. That I, I usually will start with three or four different ideas mm-hmm. and then, you know, pick one and then I'll start just, you know, working on it <laughs> and adding some rhythmic variations to it and see, mm. see where it ends up within, say, like a five minute period. Sure. That way that you're not sitting there and rehashing it again yeah. and again, because that, especially in electronic music, <laughs> you can oh, spend yeah. an eternity trying to get that one thing to sound the way you want it. 
and sometimes it's just best to leave it be at okay. And I, you know, I have problems with perfectionism right. uh, well. in composition that you want it to be good <laughs> and you want it to be playable by people to where they'll actually enjoy it. And so you can sit there and you can go back and forth for mm-hmm. 200 hours. Yeah. Well. And, and, you know, it may sound great, but, you know, you could do more sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's balancing that. You know, always just keep touching that knob and like, oh, I know. Just, <laughs> just a little bit yep. more. You know, I could, I could <laughs> just roll this one or add this little bit of an effect and then the computer crashes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, you talk a lot about the, uh, the visual part mm-hmm. of, uh, composition and uh, not a lot of people think that way, especially mm. in music. So, what what is the importance and why? Yeah, why is the visual aspect important to well, you whenever you're let's see. making music? When you when you go to listen to a concert, you're not just going to hear the music; sure. you're going to see the performance as well. Like it's you're you're in the space mm-hmm. and so you have both the physical element of the sound literally reflecting off the walls and telling you about you know the size of the space and the you mm-hmm. know the the materials of it and when the instrumentalist plays in particular with instruments you know you you not only hear their instrument you see it and so you can yeah. see if it's a woodwind or if it's a you know stringed instrument or and those effects add into how you perceive the sound. Yeah. Um, and so, like, when, you know, as practice when you're a composer in particular, <laughs> but if you're an instrumentalist, you go to a concert and you look at the performance. Mm-hmm. And if you practice, you can look at the individual performer and just watching their fingers listen for their specific sound and yeah. be able to pick them out of the ensemble. Yeah. And it's not just listening for, you know, mistakes or anything. It's listening to how they play matching up with what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And especially in percussion, that's the, where it's the easiest to see because you can right. actually see their hands. <laughs> um, but when it comes to that, you know, it, it's like when you go to a good master class in mm-hmm. particular is, is where you can really sit there and watch them intently sometimes. Um, and then ask questions afterwards that you can, there's so much information about the music that's being communicated visually, Yeah. whether that's the emotion of the piece or the, the color and content and rhythmic aspects, yeah. you see that in the performer as they're moving with it. Mm. And even if it's just somebody sitting there by themselves in the middle of the stage as a solo performer standing, mm. if they're a vocalist or, you know, something sure. along those lines that that adds so much to the the sound of it in your head mm-hmm. um, and in the audience's head. And so as a composer, I try, you know, I try to think about the production side of it, not mm-hmm. as a ends in and of itself, but just as a opportunity to add in things that make it more enjoyable for the audience and for the, yeah. the performers because... Otherwise, you know, to an extent, what's the point? You know, there's yeah. a place for experimental music. I love doing just experimental noise stuff. <laughs> but, you know, in a performance setting, you're you're trying to connect with the audience. But as the composer, you're also trying to connect with the performer. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're trying to get in your head, but it's fun to try and get in theirs before you've ever met them. You know, <laughs> of just imagining what they would think playing through your piece. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try 
try to approach it from that side, but also even though I'm not like synesthetic in the normal sense, sure. that to me, you know, it's I can very much analogize analogize sound as color. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's you can kind of get a sense of that in the the different noise types of you have white noise that everybody's familiar with, mm-hmm. and there's pink noise, and mm-hmm. people are pretty familiar with that. But you can also you know, tune it to blue, you know, red, brown. <laughs> and that really is just which end of the spectrum it's favoring, higher or low, in the mm. same way that blue light is a shorter wavelength than um, yeah, red yeah. light. And so for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I try and think of it through those kinds of pathways. And it started off as just as much as anything as a way to break writer's block when yeah, I was having a yeah. hard time figuring out why this chord didn't work when this one should yeah. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it's just those little things of, you know, where are you centering your sound mm-hmm. and does it match with what's going on in the other places? And so it, mm-hmm. it's, I try and think of it as much as, you know, visual as, you know, a painter would, you know, yeah, looking yeah. at the canvas and moving across it. And sometimes that comes out to great effect. And sometimes <laughs> it's just a fun exercise that yeah. didn't work, you know, it just, <laughs> um, but in terms of talking about music, I like to use physical things as mm-hmm. a an analogy for especially yeah. um, trying to help a a performer to think about it, think about a passage in a way other than just the way they were trained musically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's an interesting <laughs> exercise. It's not like a fully refined kind of thing. Sure, sure. It's just a a a way of doing it in a different fashion. Yeah. Um, and now that I've gotten more into the producing video and lighting and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, that it's um, it's nice to have a, a way to also express musical thoughts in a new, you know, physical type way. Yeah. And so it's been, it's been interesting. <laughs> um, so you're also kind of a, a tinkerer. Mm-hmm. Um, Very much so. <laughs> so, um, what what stuff do you make and then how does that sort of well, make its way into your music or mm-hmm. not even if you don't even care if it involves your music at all well i try i try to make things more inclusive when mm-hmm. i can um it mostly comes down to time and processing power <laughs> on my computer to what i can accomplish but um, you know, bottlenecks, you run into them and then you just have to plan around it and figure it out. But um, a lot of what I've been doing recently is, you know, of course, the piano work as, mm-hmm. um, you know, pianos are just phenomenal sets of parts. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and so a lot of what I've been doing outside of that is developing new instrumental sounds that one of the piano upright pianos that I currently have is was just not good enough to fix, but mm-hmm. it still had a good soundboard and all the other materials to it. And so what I've done is stripped it out and made it just the bare plate, uh, you know, in the the, mm-hmm. the overall cabinet so that it has, can stand up. Um, <laughs> but, and what I'm going to do now is cut out the key bed and then cut out some of the strings and use it as a, a way of... Um, increasing the resonance of percussion instruments, you Hmm. know, found percussion and legitimate percussion. Yeah. Um, And doing things like anchoring directly to the soundboard or to the bridge, you know, to not damage the soundboard. Mm -hmm. Um, But just 
using materials that I otherwise have from work or just things that I've collected over time and finding new ways to use them. And the other thing is that pianos are full of all these little tiny pieces and joints and, Mm -hmm. you know, just all these little pins. And so one thing that I'm looking at doing here soon is making what would kind of be an inside out puppet, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of industrial light and magic type stuff like you Mm -hmm. would see in, you know, the, the, Star Wars on, you know, from <laughs> Lucas when he started that of essentially animatronics mm-hmm. and and trying to find ways of manipulating a physical space that a camera can look into and create a combination in the same way of creating electroacoustic music of mm-hmm. creating physical, practical and um, graphical visuals just all yeah. in one thing. Hmm. So that you just stick the camera in and the LEDs and other little, you know, OLED screens and stuff sure. that are being moved around by the parts will then reflect, you know, throughout it and cause new shadows and make it look like something that you spent ages, you know, working sure, on in sure. After Effects, but really was just, you know, a real building thing. the thing. You yeah. Know? And then there's neat things you can do with that with projection as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's everything's just kind of finding ways of bringing in all of these disparate elements that Mm. I've learned over the years into something (laughs) that makes use of them because I've enjoyed learning them and it's fun to use them too. Yeah. Um, And yeah, sometimes, (laughs) you know, you just grab a microphone after you do something and you're like, that was the strangest sound I've ever heard. And you go back and record it and then Mm. you can sit down and play with it afterwards. Sure. And when you're working with your hands on stuff, you, you find new ways of using materials, like working with like drum heads is yeah. something of just that goat skin or fake, you know, depending that, you know, if you stretch it over different shapes and different mm-hmm. like vases are fun where you can sit there and stretch a little bit over and just secure it with a little rubber band or something <laughs> and you create a whole new sound that you otherwise didn't have. Hmm. And so I, I, I approach it kind of from that direction. Yeah. And also, you know, things like Winter Garden, I, I may be mispronouncing his channel name, but the uh, guy who did the giant oh, yeah, marble machine, yeah, yeah. he's currently building his, the next one. I think it's the 10th iteration. <laughs> yeah. And it is just absolutely phenomenal. But it's amazing how many piano parts are used in making those. <laughs> <laughs> but he also has a CNC machine and all the rest of that. Oh, uh, that's something that, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, CNC machine and 3D printer will just change my life someday. sure <laughs> um, especially just the more programming i learn like when, when i'm talking about the animatronic stuff it's some of it you can sit there and control with your hands but also uh, the been learning a program um it's max msp hmm. and it is oh yeah that's just a 3d rendering no it, no max msp is a enormous box of tools hmm. that you can the it stands for max uh, max signal processing is what mm-hmm. msp stands for and it has different things built into it where you have your audio generators your visual generators oh. and computer graphics generators mm-hmm. it can also be used for scientific tools um, <laughs> that it's kind of like audacity in that way where it has okay. all of these neat ways of visualizing data but mm-hmm. the main thing about it is that you can take any signal and turn it into anything else. So you can take visual stuff like huh. a video clip and then you can re have it reinterpret that as audio huh. or vice versa. But you can also take audio signals and make it to where like as you raise in pitch, 
robotics things, you know, start happening. <laughs> you can also use it for like controlling laser projectors and drones yeah. and, you know, it it's it's kind of like learning a programming language that already has modules that have built mm. into been built into it for 25 years uh, or more, mm -hmm. but it has one heck of an audio suite. And mm -hmm. in terms of visual stuff, I, I mostly use Adobe. I got tired of Final Cut just because it's starting mm -hmm. to feel more like iMovie um, <laughs> in terms of the granularity of what you can control. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I've mostly been using Adobe, and that's mo mostly just because you can toss things back and forth between the programs <laughs> without having to export constantly. Um, but when you sit down with Max, though, you can set it up to where it automatically generates emergent things. So mm. you can tell it whether it's an audio signal to layer in effects as yeah. you hit, you know, you hit middle C the third time and then it adds in the delay, you know, and then you hit it <laughs> another, you know, third time and then it adds in the next effect. And you can set it like that where... Mm -hmm. You can, uh, in fact, Radiohead, if I remember right, uh, does most of their stuff or did most of their stuff in the early 2000s in particular is what I know about, at least, because mm -hmm. that's when I first learned about it. Yeah. Um, that they used Macs and they would set it up that way. Um, for And it would be controlling their lights and their audio and, you know, other staging elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it mostly is just, you know, if you have a computer that's fast enough to handle mm -hmm. it, which mine is just at that cut off mm. to where I can play with it, but too far, too complex, yeah. it just breaks down. But mm -hmm. it's it's kind of that that linchpin to being able to make a full stage production work mm. as a solo artist without yeah. having to pay and hire a bunch of people, which you know has its place <laughs> that you know you can't do everything all the time and yeah. have it be the way you want you got, it to be. You got the scales of time and money yeah. that uh, <laughs> is a a huge factor. Uh, <laughs> and especially, you know, I just finally got on social media after <laughs> a few years just taking a step back. Just mm -hmm. uh, you know, in undergrad was when Facebook hit for me. <laughs> and that was a different thing when parents started getting on there. When yeah. they opened that up and I was like, oh, close it down, close it down. And <laughs> kind of left it sitting there for a while just until got to a point in life where I had something to share other than just ideas. Mm -hmm. um, that for me, it's, especially learning all of this, it's taken so much time mm -hmm. that you don't always have things at the level that you want to be able to share it at. And for me, it's taken a while to get used to just making process videos. Mm. Um, and I'm looking forward to making a lot more of that kind of educational content. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it, it's just, it's an endless rabbit hole mm. um, when you just try and do all of it yourself. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes you do just have to hire other people mm. and finding collaborators that you can work with is difficult because, yeah. you know, if they're doing a large amount of work, you want everybody to get paid. And sometimes, you know, you're not getting paid until time after time mm -hmm. has passed. And so it's, you know, it's always a challenge, mm -hmm. um, of just balancing that time and money aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was misremembering what Max was, and I'm like, oh wait, oh, yeah, yeah, I've I've used Max. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually I don't know if you use Ableton. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so yeah, no, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to being able to put those together. And I I don't really have a DAW of choice at this moment, mm -hmm. and it's strange to say that after all the years of <laughs> using Logic, but you know, it's I've I've tried all of them at this point, and all of them just 
they do have different things differently. And yeah. uh, still, the favorite one that I ever used back in the day was FL Studio. It was FL three or four. Mm. Um, FL ten now. Yeah, and it it was it was the most developed at the time mm. for the kind of electronic music my friends and I were trying sure. to make. Um, but now a lot of what I do is just, um, you know, sometimes in Logic, sometimes I'll do it in Adobe, sometimes I'll use Ableton, mm. and, and it just comes down to what I'm trying to do with it. But since yeah. Max works directly with Ableton, yeah, well, I, Ableton 10 now yeah. has Max yeah. just oh, in also it. Ableton Ableton 10 now has uh, 3D and VR support. So you can now do three-dimensional audio, which mm -hmm. is my one of my end games that I totally <laughs> want to get to is yeah. doing virtual reality um, content, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's audio content or visual content, that there's so much more freedom that then you can do by being mm -hmm. able to transfer the sound around the space. Yeah, yeah. Um, and being able to do that in a live setting mm -hmm. allows you to do, you know, it's you you watch something like Cirque du Soleil or something where it's all, all around you and above you visually, mm -hmm. but the audio is still coming from a set of speakers at the front of the stage. Sure. And there's some of these audio systems now, and Cirque du Soleil probably has better audio systems and their stuff than just at the front. <laughs> they but, have the money for it, but you'd but be surprised oh, yeah. at some places. Oh, I mean, you go into some places and <laughs> you just, you know, you spend $40 million on a facility and then you put in like $20,000 in, you know, speaker equipment and mm -hmm. you wonder why it sounds bad and nobody wants to come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, you know, the people who write the, you know, write up the stuff, don't always have the final goal of what it should be capable mm. of in mind. <laughs> and that ends up limiting them. And, you know, it's as a sound technician, when I go to other places <laughs> and use their equipment, mm -hmm. that it's always this, you know, just game of like, okay, what shortcuts do I have to make? And mm -hmm. that's, and I guess, you know, it's, for me, it's part of the fun. Sure. But, you know, it, it's, it does get frustrating sometimes yeah. of having to, you know, cut corners. But that is how you learn how yeah. to make make more with less. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, you're sitting in my studio um, yeah. and it's, you know, as you kind of notice that a lot of things are modular and I can pop them off and yeah, take them yeah, out exactly. and move them around. And that kind of stuff is not what you find in most facilities. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. stick a thing and it stays there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and for the kind of stuff that you know, especially the current, you know, type of stuff where you're trying to mix media and mix mm -hmm. disciplines constantly that you need things to be to where you can make sure that when you take it apart, you can put it back together in a mm -hmm. new fashion and it'll still work as you intend it to. Yeah. And that kind of reliability is is takes just a lot more practice and, and skill than most places are willing to pay somebody to even consult on. Yeah. And so you get, you know, these small little recital halls sometimes or large performance venues where you look at the setup and you're just wondering why they made those decisions. And yeah. a lot of times it just comes down to financing and, you know, the people <laughs> think, yeah, well, it's not knowing about what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, it's kind of, just amazing how much there is to know about any of the given fields in mm -hmm. performance. Sure, sure. Um, and in post-production. Um, <laughs> oh, post-production. Yeah. Uh, that's one nice thing about Max that I'm trying to learn to use it for is being able to set up generative video content mm. where I can drop in series of pictures because I have 
tens of thousands of images I've yeah. taken over the years, like everybody else. <laughs> and now that I have a four, you know, well, six K camera um, that yeah. can take, you know, just hyper real photos, that it's um, I want to be able to drop those in and then give it a set of parameters for its effects, and mm -hmm. you can design your own effect, body, yeah. you know, effects modules and everything. And Max um, gets deep. Yeah. Oh, it does. <laughs> and and then I, I just found out finally going through some of the 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 written tutorials the reference tutorials mm -hmm. i've done enough playing with it now and you know just diving through the help menus occasionally mm -hmm. when i something's not working that now when i'm going through the tutorials of which there's like 500 chapters yeah that you sit there and you can actually look or i you know i sit there and i can look at it and know what not just what they're talking about what what applications it mm -hmm. has yeah and for me just being able to sit down and set parameters and all of that yeah. of like min max on things and have it respond to the timbre and to the mm -hmm. you know the 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 color of the sound and yeah. the, the uh, amplitude that <laughs> you know that really just I, it opens up so many possibilities for what kinds of visuals you can yeah. do and i'm partially well significantly colorblind um mm. and so for me you know, I can I can do decent color balancing and stuff and making things look normal and healthy, mm. but mostly I try and take the first shot the first time so that, you know, correctly the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that people don't come out green or red or blue <laughs> um, because it's, it's not fun for me being colorblind to go back and try and do that kind of sure. stuff. That it's easy for me to make strange and abstract visuals, mm. but... It's fun to using Max now to create kind of like Google Deep Dream type images, yeah, yeah. and you know it's <laughs> at this point it really is just running into the uh, processing bottleneck of when you're using a laptop, yeah. can't do much, yep. and it has a video <laughs> card in it, but it's only like a two fifty six, even though it's only a two year old laptop, it's still. <laughs> You know, laptops can't do what a desktop can. Yeah. But luckily with gaming PCs, that's dropped the price down so much and yeah. Bitcoin and all that to <laughs> make video cards cheap enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you still using a Mac or? I, I have a Mac and yeah. a PC. Okay. They're both laptops. And so, <laughs> I was about to say, is like, yeah. you, you might as well just migrate to yeah. a PC at this well, point. Well, and the Mac is six years, seven years old. Right. So it, at this point, it still does audio fine. Mm -hmm. But you can't, for a hope, do video or anything <laughs> of any higher level yeah. processing to it. Yeah. Um, and one downside of that is that the uh, the Mac ProRes uh, video codec is only on Mac, mm. and the PC equivalent is okay, <laughs> but it's the one downside because um, H two six four you get all this banding and stuff. When We're getting in the weeds. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, I can't remember what your question was. No, it's, it's fine. This okay. is this is the point. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm very good at rambling coherently enough to where there's content. Yes. Um, there's a lot of interesting <laughs> things, but I can get very technical and not realize it. So I enjoy tangents. Good, um, good. good. <laughs> so on to the, the different segment of the podcast um, where I ask heady philosophical questions. What is the role of religion or spirituality in your life well that's a a big wide question like it is for most people for me it's it's kind of similar to my science background of mm. i was raised in methodist church in particular mm. and i still work at a methodist church okay. um, that i run sound at it's a large church that on the books 
8,000 or so members. Uh, wow. On a weekly basis, though, 3,500, mm-hmm. you know, which is good. Yeah. Um, but the church has a full orchestra um, and uh, about on average Sunday, 80 to 100 person choir. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting to live mix an orchestra and choir sure. and all of the service and everything else. And it's something I, I enjoy very much. And it's a church that does a lot of actual physical outreach to mm-hmm. the community and does a lot of things, which that is the most important thing to me. And yeah. so in my childhood, I was brought up in the Methodist church and my mom was a church musician. And so uh, she was one of the p- two pianists and mm-hmm. uh, she would also play the organ and do some handbells um, that you know, I was constantly in the church every Sunday yeah. and many times during the week for rehearsals and went through the phases of love and burnout with religion, <laughs> um, just broadly, you know, just the practice of religion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's been an ongoing cycle throughout life because sure. that's the same with all of the things that I do. Of At certain points, I get to where I have to move on to something else for a, a while mm-hmm. to be able to come back to it with an appreciation. Mm-hmm. And... So for me, with a lot of the religious practice, Mm -hmm. that started to get wearing out on me before my dad uh, migrated from being more or less non-religious to semi-militant (laughs) atheist-ish. It was more he just had problems with the church um, than he did with, you know, the beliefs. And it was, but he... At one point after my parents split when I was young, Mm. went pretty hardcore evangelical Mm. suddenly Mm. and started playing, even though he was a jazz musician, started bringing that and his Hammond and everything to their church. And as Mm. that church grew, um, that, you know, there more and more. And so I was there more and more. Sure. Um, And... Yeah, you know, it's I've seen the the best and the worst, at least in terms of Christianity, mm. from behind the scenes, from numbers of different denominations and churches, because he started off evangelical and my mom and I started off at a Methodist church, but both parents migrated to different places sure. after they divorced. And so I got a very broad exposure mm. to all of the different major denominations mm. and many of the other little sub denominations of Christianity. Um, and after I turned 16, really, that I started making it a bigger point to grow, go outside of middle-class-ish white people churches <laughs> and go to the just you know anybody else's mm-hmm. church of any you know ethnic group or just community yeah. um, to get a different experience and with that different religions as well. Mm-hmm. And I made it a real point, you know, being just somebody who likes knowing things yeah. of, you know, did a lot of studying of most of the, you know, aspects of the major religions mm-hmm. uh, on earth and many of the other smaller ones and the little, mm-hmm. you know, just what would otherwise be the occult. Yeah. Um, but just <laughs> to know what humanity has done. Yeah. And so for me, it really started to become more of a, a deeper focus on the works and not the words. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the, you know, it's words. The words are definitely important, mm-hmm. um, you know, to anybody's religious beliefs. But it's really what you do with that understanding, that knowledge, those thoughts, those philosophies, yeah, and how you practice that. And so for me, 
you know, it's I I, I love religious discussions and mm-hmm. love the debates, but there's a lot of the week by week Sunday school kind of discussions that I got very just tired of. Yeah. And so for me, it's, you know, kind of my religious beliefs, are, you know, are still rooted in Christianity, mm-hmm. but have come to incorporate just the, the broad understanding in humanity of if we give even half a crap about each other, mm-hmm. that we can do so much more together yeah. than we can apart. Yeah. And, you know, being behind the scenes in churches is another one of those things of, it's a weekly production mm-hmm. every week. You know, you have mm-hmm. music, you have acting in the sense yeah. of people are getting up and public speaking no matter how they feel inside that day. Sure. And, you know, you're working with all of these different, you know, people and it's not just a one person gets up and says what they believe kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a massive undertaking depending on the size of yeah. the church. And then and, repeatedly. Yeah, and so for me, since I have all of these skills that I have, that one of my ways that I like to give back is doing things like, you know, weddings and funerals and all that. But in particular, I like to help with funerals because I've performed Hmm. and been a, you know, not just not counting attendance, Mm -hmm. but I've performed in and worked for more than 500-ish funerals. I mean, and so enough to be, you know, have been around them more than most, you know, people. and. Because of that, you know, it's I've seen people at their, you know, kind of worst moments so often mm-hmm. that for me, it, it's it's a way of giving back and yeah. a way of doing that. And so it's, but, you know, it's I, I just, for me, you know, it's I try really hard to be more on the the actual, like, doing good work side. Yeah. Um, then I, I do actually talking, you know, right, in terms yeah. of like, you know, going around and posting on Facebook of all, you know, just that that's that's not where I feel I can make the most impact. And yeah. also that doesn't feel as true to me in terms of, you know, I like people to ask. I don't like to just go out and tell people this is it, this is what I yeah. it's I like to actually, you know, have a conversation. Exactly. And and you don't often get that when you you know, go around, um, I don't know, being more aggressive with it. Yeah. Um, that it's, um, especially being in the evangelical side of it and yeah. different versions, you know, it's, it's such a broad, yeah. you know, but at the same time, it, some of them just took it way too, too deep into the just aggressive territory. Yeah. Um, uh, that it just ended up becoming more of a, almost a vice to their message mm-hmm. that it, and so it's i have if i have issues with anything it mostly comes down to how churches are organized and structured and yeah. how they operate than it is about any given church's message but you know i have my groups that i disagree with more than others sure. but um and you know i've also spent time you know reading the other biblical texts that weren't included or were mm-hmm. cut out or you know in the first couple of centuries and and also during the carolingian era in the 800s <laughs> in gaul <laughs> that became france yeah oh they did so much wow uh, to change things uh, one funny thing just on, on the subject yeah, of religion it. is that i've noticed in music is that being a music major you can see 
every major political and religious change before and after it has changed in the music and the way that it is used in those institutions, yeah. in oh, particular yeah. the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing <laughs> how much Catholic you know, liturgy we have to learn as musicians. But yeah. it's, it's amazing also just how important it was that they wrote it down. Yeah. You know, even if they didn't know how to read it, you know, mm. these scribes were still copying these things. In fact, most scribes couldn't read. Mm. They were just copying the the visualization <laughs> on the page. And so that's where you get all these mistranslations and words mm -hmm. that in one copy and, you know, another are different. And is that's some fine. of that's just copy error of just yeah. somebody not actually being able to read it, but just copying it. And um, an E or an A. I don't know what yeah. that is. I don't know. <laughs> nope. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's it's been a journey in terms of my religious beliefs that mm. I, I don't have a, you know, for the most part, you know, it's like I said, I'm still grounded in Christianity mm -hmm. in that way in terms of just the, the beliefs and the text and all of that and the practice. Mm -hmm. But the, you know, overall, it's, it's always been this, I don't fit to any one particular sect yeah. because when I, you know, when I read things, I like to break them apart into all of their pieces sure. and meanings. And I found things that just did not line up with others. And yeah. so, you know, it's I, I have my own interpretations and usually they're different enough mm -hmm. to where I try not to have, you know, religious conversations where it's going to have an impact on, you know, yeah. la later kind of thing. Because sometimes <laughs> I can offend people mm -hmm. um, just because it, it's... You know, so much of what I see is in the practice and not uh, the, the practice of being right. a better person and a better human mm -hmm. than just going to, you know, service every Sunday and yeah. saying hi. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, yeah. And, yeah. and it's also with my physics understanding and everything. It's one of those I always had a, so many problems with, especially certain communities. Mm -hmm. um, creating and manifesting a non-existent war between science and religion mm. that for me that does not and has never existed mm. it's in people's just you know personal interpretations mm -hmm. of things that it becomes this internal conflict that manifests because usually people don't understand something that they're talking about whether it's on the religious side or sure. the scientific right um and you know considering how many different orthodoxies there are yeah. just within Christianity and interpretations that it's, you know, one group will have a problem with something that another doesn't all right. the time, inevitably. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, especially with physics and cosmology, it's one of those things of there, there's nothing that gets in the way of there being a extra universal deity <laughs> um, that is probably in reality, more alien than anybody's concept of what a God could be, mm -hmm. whether it's an individual or pluralistic or anything sure. that it's, you know, it's the universe is far stranger than we ever gave you yeah. know, credit for over most of our, you know, the last hundred years. <laughs> it just, it's amazing how much we've learned. And if nothing else, it just illuminates more of what is. And so for people who are more deeply religious, mm -hmm. you know, it's, to me, it's just in no way learning about the creation should be a detriment. Mm. And yet people try and manufacture arguments for why there yeah. should be some kind of, you know, so why, why something is lost when to me, learning about something and knowing more about it should be the step towards that understanding, yeah. you know, just to, to be able to see where things do meet. 
um, yeah. because sometimes it is so far distance it's hard to see where those lines cross but yeah. sometimes you know you just have to go searching for it yeah I like um, that a lot um, I tend to ask these direct questions for mm-hmm. the sake of uh, really just answering the question so uh-huh. uh, first one God question mark like I kind of said, it's to me the you know it's there's the 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 personal God mm-hmm. that people believe in, and they hold in their heart that goes with them on their journeys, mm-hmm. no matter what kind of God it may be, mm-hmm. um, or other just you know thing that is not them that exists within their soul or is a reflection of them that mm-hmm. they you know feel connected to. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's one of those that the most people's interpretation of God to me seems too human. Sure. And and it's just that casting of one's own humanity onto something that's not from Earth, that's not from necessarily even our universe in mm-hmm. that sense. Um, just a you know whether it's a power or a force or a you know being manifest. Yeah, yeah that to me it's to define that takes away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's one of those, if God is just the universe mm-hmm. and the you know connections between the stars manifest in the same way that our neurons create us, yeah. um, or in that sense are connected to us and what we yeah. are. Um, you notice I try and you sure, know, sure, sure. meander around a little bit to not step <laughs> on too many toes, but it's it's more just for the actual, like, it, it really is that middle ground mm-hmm. of, you know, it's I, I have the feelings of connection to, you know, the world and the universe that I interpret in my own way as, you know, a connection yeah. to God, but to, you know, just a larger extent, I view it in the same way that I view my understanding of you know physics and cosmology mm-hmm. is it's bigger and weirder than we could have ever imagined, mm-hmm. um, and especially when you consider that you know the human brain and the brains of other animals is more complex than all of the stars in the universe. Yeah. You know, it's the most complicated thing that exists, especially when you bring in consciousness and mm-hmm. you know the soul. You know, yeah. however you interpret that, um, and so it's this. You know, it, it's it's hard for me to sit there, you know, and say like, oh, yes, there is a God and sure. he's this. And why is it a he or why is it a she or exactly. why is it an it? Because <laughs> it may not even have a reference point when you mm-hmm. leave the world that we perceive in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just with all my understanding from psychology and my my ex-wife was a psychology major. Mm-hmm. And um, during the, the years that she and I were together um, – that I learned even more just reading through her textbooks of mm-hmm. most of what we perceive in our day-to-day life could be compared to just a, you know, a hallucination that we give credence <laughs> because it's all in our head. Yeah. You know, the physical world exists. The mm-hmm. things that you touch exist. They don't exist in the way that you perceive them. Yeah. There are wavelengths of light you can't see in just the same as there are mm-hmm. sound waves that you can't hear because they're outside of the range. Yeah. Um, and just things that you like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. There are some things you cannot know all the answers to <laughs> because that just doesn't work. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how much quantum mechanics made me yep. just have to come to terms in peace with yep. chaos. Um, <laughs> where's the particle? Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, <laughs> yes, yes is right. Is the, is the particle, is, is the particle, is the particle. <laughs> uh, uh, side tangent, one of the coolest things that I, I did learn recently is that they created a new state of matter that is, they made a, two electrons pair up kind of in a in a analogous way to like what a nucleus is. Mm-hmm. They got close enough to where they were paired, uh, you know, didn't combine. Mm. And then they removed one. And that hole continued to, where the, the electron was, continued to behave as if it was an electron. Because technically all electrons are one field. Mm-hmm. And that gets way more complicated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quantum field theory, if you really want to just break <laughs> your mind. Um, that, yeah, it's, you know, the things that they learn every day. And, like, there's a new fourth state of neutrino that they're, oh, that uh, like, they have... They have enough evidence to know where it is, but not what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time watching science videos as my time kill, but I also watch plenty of, you know, cartoons and sci-fi, and especially <laughs> sci-fi horror. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's a really We, cool. we, we anyway. can go on later about Black Mirror. Anyways. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> Uh, and then the other one is free will question mark, which is another. That's another big. one of those that I, especially with the psychology side and the neuroscience side, is so many neuroscientists that I've heard talk, especially recently, is the more we learn, the less reason for free will we find. Mm-hmm. Of there's so much that you, when you break it down statistically across entire populations and mm. just ed- with individuals monitoring habits over time, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's the, these are neuroscientists. They want there to be free will yeah. because <laughs> they want to feel like they have free will because mm-hmm. we all, you know, hopefully, well, most of us, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there are some, but uh, there's no concrete evidence yet mm. for what makes free will free will. And I like to believe I have free will mm. because otherwise, why would I do all of these things that I do? Sure. Um, and why, you know, it, it's, it kind of comes down to, you know, it's when you, when you make a decision to something, if you at least add in the probability kind of side of things of if you can flip a coin, Mm-hmm. At least then, you know, you may feel like it one way or another, <laughs> you know, that that is a, you know, expression of free will of I flipped mm-hmm. the coin and then followed the decision or didn't. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's scientifically, it's it's still a very open-ended answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I, like I said, I like to feel, I like to feel that free sure. will exists, but I know that just what has been studied and peer-reviewed, mm-hmm. and peer review is so important. Yep, <laughs> um, that just you know we don't actually know, mm-hmm. and so it, it's an open-ended question for me yeah. until more happens. But I like to believe. Yeah, and 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 I do a lot of that kind of separating in my stuff sure. of just what I believe versus what I know to be true for humanity mm-hmm. that we have tested. <laughs> um, and to me, that's part of what defines science is it's what we and it's why it doesn't conflict with religion in the way that people manufacture mm-hmm. is that in science you test it. You go mm-hmm. back and you test it. You go back and you test it again, and then you test it again. And somebody yeah. else tests it, and you build up that volume to say. This is what we know because we have made sure that it's reliable yeah. and that it doesn't change. And the universe may change in some ways. We still don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, 
it's, you know, there are some things that you, you know, like quantum field theory is one of those things of like <laughs> we, every time we test it, every experiment that was has ever been run can be explained through mm-hmm. quantum field theory and it's always right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to us in our way of visualizing the world and how we think of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a weird soup of just chances of stuff existing and not existing and not existing being existing. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, there's so much ambiguity left and so many questions left to answer that, you know, at a certain point you have to be honest with yourself to, at least in my opinion, to say that this is what I believe versus this is what not just I, but we as humanity know to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or at least know to be supported. Yeah. Um, because you, you don't prove anything except for in mathematics. <laughs> um, you know, you, you do a geometric proof. That is a proof. A proof. <laughs> there is, Outside of that, it's all just supporting evidence mm-hmm. um, that there's, you know, for anything, there's always a chance that in one spot in the yep. universe, it could be different. Yeah. Um, and so, especially with Stephen Hawking's last paper that I, I skimmed over, it was one of the three or four that he published just before mm-hmm. he died. Um, and it was about that we may not even have to have multiverses in the sense of like bubble universes that bump up against each other or mm-hmm. brains that meet and layer like sandwich mm-hmm. bread. Instead, it could also be a kind of midway between that where it's like panels mm-hmm. layered over each other in a three-dimensional set where the universe could be big enough on its own to not outside of the observable universe because mm-hmm. there's the observable universe where light has had time to get to us. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, it's this, you know, just big question mark, but it's there. Yeah. Um, because he, just just by the expansion rate of the universe, it should be where we're around like 13.7, if I remember right, billion years uh, inside the observable bubble, uh, the observable event horizon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the um, outside of that, it's something like 48 billion just at minimum light years across. Yeah. Um, and, but it could essentially go on forever to where the universe can be big enough that you can have pockets within it that are their own coherent space time Mm -hmm. or, you know, with their own changed rules of physics, but they're still in one contiguous plane in the same way of, you know, drawing a squiggly line or Mm -hmm. going outside and looking at, or actually looking at a topographical map. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, our part of the universe is flat because inflation sped it up so fast that quantum scales, you know, went from the size of an atom to the size of, you know, the moon or, you know, whatever the actual scale is, that they expanded so fast that it stretched all of that out to what is effectively a flat space. And Mm -hmm. that when you shine a light, it goes in a straight line unless Mm -hmm. it encounters a gravitational (laughs) field or it encounters, you know, electromagnetic field or anything, mm-hmm. that its light will travel in a straight line. Mm-hmm. If it was a curved universe, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, the, the simple description is you take a triangle and you draw it and you have, you know, each of your, your angles of 60 degrees in an equilateral triangle. But if you push up in the middle of it and draw it up into the third dimension, or that you end up increasing the size of that angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would have light that bends around naturally and you'd have mm-hmm. lensing without actually having gravitational <laughs> lensing effects and the night sky would look so trippy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it makes a fun visualization. But um, 
but yeah, with all that, um, all of those tangents, I have yeah, three more questions for sure. you. <laughs> um, one, what makes you happy? Life. <laughs> um, I've, I, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is mental health and all of that in that sense of just, for me, I've always had anxiety, clinical anxiety disorder and depression, mm. but the depression was never that like emotionally depressed. You know, I'd get emotionally depressed, of mm. course, but it's more the behavioral aspects of depression sure. and uh, combine that, you know, those two things combined plus maybe some attention stuff here and there. <laughs> but, you know, it's more just you you become who you are kind of thing. And for mm. me, it's it's been hard getting to where I am a lot of 80-hour work weeks and then mm. going this class, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Um, you know, like I said, I was married, you know, mm. and, and that wasn't a result of the work that I do or that she did. It was just personal separating mm. off, going different directions because it just wasn't going where we wanted it to. Mm. But... You know, all of those things, you know, layer by layer, I can say that most of my adult life, I've been happy, um, yeah. especially after undergrad. Undergrad was hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, just working, you know, I made, I got caught in the debt trap and had to work full time alongside school and, you yeah. know, uh, just layering all those together that it's, you know, I, and especially with like my religious background and all that of having mm. explored so thoroughly, but also been so involved behind the scenes. Yeah that, you know, it, it got me to where I started finding happiness where I found it and um, in, or just in things, in the little yeah. things and, and what's around. And, you know, definitely learning has always been a, a huge source of happiness. Yeah. Um, going on walks in nature, seeing beautiful things, hearing people perform yeah. and express themselves. Um but just also the little things of just sitting down on a sunny afternoon and just looking at the clouds yeah. um, or like laying in here and turning the light, laying in the studio and turning <laughs> the lights on, you know, to different colors so that they sit there and cycle through and then just watching a reflective surface and studying how the light moves across it. Mm. Um, just those little kind of, you know, this universe exists and I get to exist in it. Yeah. Um, and to me, you know, I, I just rearranged life to where that could be a source of happiness yeah. and wasn't just a, you know, fun little hippie kind of thought, <laughs> but instead was really a, a chance to, you know, just appreciate everything about life um, yeah. that is is worth celebrating. And there's so much to celebrate. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I really <laughs> try very hard to find happiness in you know, everything from what I do for work to what I do for fun and everything in between. And mm -hmm. some of that's also, you know, so many, uh, you know, when we're composers and musicians, yeah. our job is other people's hobbies. Mm -hmm. um, and that sometimes ends up being to where we don't feel like we have a hobby because our work becomes both. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's a grind, and sometimes you get burnt out. Yeah. Um, especially when you're in school slogging it through, yeah. you know, but the, um, you know, it, it, it's just a, a lesson in, you know, perseverance in terms of just having, being able to look at the world for all of the horrors and atrocities and still find what beauty you can in there yeah. while trying to change the situation that led to the atrocities if you have the power to. Yeah.
um, to try and make the world a better place by just giving half a damn about your fellow humans. Yeah. It's amazing how much <laughs> can happen when we all care a little bit about each other. Yeah. Um, and also um, just kind of related to a number of things, but also another tangent is um, that when it comes down to it, just any kind of artistic pursuit mm-hmm. um, that I've been doing a lot of research and building up kind of my catalog of trying mm-hmm. to be able to go out and talk coherently on a stage in front of people who aren't mm-hmm. artists and musicians about why they should explore music, why their parents and grandparents should explore yeah. music and art, not just music, but art, dance, you know, mm-hmm. whatever floats you. Um, but especially in children, because at any age, it has an effect on your ability to retain information and empathize with others and all the rest of that. But more Definitely. than anything, it's it's a practice of not just falling into a routine mm-hmm. in a way that allows you to keep yourself growing and not becoming yeah. just rooted and complacent. Because yeah. complacency is an easy way to end up in the realm of just the world that you don't want to live in and don't Mm -hmm. want to see manifesting. And so, um, you know, it's, and it doesn't, you know, rely on beliefs or anybody, you know, it's you (laughs) express yourself or what you're trying to. And so, you know, it's just absolutely anything from writing down two pages of poetry every week Mm. to playing for five minutes a day on your instrument. You know, it's the closer you can get to about half an hour seems to be that point at which it has the most benefit at any age. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's things like, you know, re- slowing the the rate of Alzheimer's and stuff and yeah. like reducing like, you know, the effects of harmful things like seizures and things mm-hmm. that it's just being involved in different kinds of arts and spending yeah. some time every day, um, you know, just trying to even have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and just explore something new is just the best thing you can do for your brain and music in particular mm-hmm. that you sit somebody under an fMRI scanner that and they start playing an instrument or beatboxing or mm-hmm. rapping or whatever it yeah. is that more than anything else it lights up your entire brain like a Christmas tree right mm-hmm. and left physically emotionally all of it yeah from the frontal cortex all the way to the deep you know little you know ancient brain down buried <laughs> in the middle that you know it's it just it's always healthy mm-hmm. um and so it's you know i try and propose yeah. promote that and the more that i uh, the closer i get done to, with my masters that mm-hmm. i'm trying to set myself up to do advocacy for um steam education and art therapy mm-hmm. in particular um just because you know my own background can be most summed up by being a steam educated individual mm-hmm. of you know, I took science, technology, engineering, and mathematic courses, but that arts part has to be in there because, yeah. like I said early on, of just everything you do in composition and creation and, you know, whether it's, you know, no matter what the medium mm-hmm. or discipline, relies on the same thought process that you use in science. Yeah. And it feeds back and forth all the time. And yeah. I, you know, it just... It's amazing to me how many artists that I find out have like degrees in ecology or in biology yeah. or in astronomy. And, yeah. you know, it's just this is their fun. And sometimes it becomes their living. And then yeah. they do the other for fun. Um, <laughs> because you can now be a citizen scientist in ways that you just couldn't, thanks to the internet. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know all the exoplanets that were, you know, discovered by people sitting there just clicking through on the page. 
um, you know, through the data. And so it's, um, you know, it's I, for me, I try really hard to always in everything incorporate that yeah. kind of um, idea to just promote people just trying to learn to create things yeah. because it is a learning process. You aren't, you know, not everybody is born being able to just manifest things out of their yeah. head. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, I, I've known a lot of musicians who just sit there and tell me like, I can't write or I can't, you know, play jazz or improvise. Mm -hmm. or, and it's, it's a practice. Everything, yeah. you know, is a, if you put in a little bit of time every day, you mm -hmm. will see improvement. Like right now, I am still bad at hula hooping um, <laughs> in terms of like the dance style with mm -hmm. it, but it's so pretty, it's hard not to play with. Yeah. Um, but it's, and also I have a thing as a composer, author kind of thing of I don't want to ask somebody to do anything that I would be uncomfortable trying myself. Sure. Um, and so for you know any of my you know works that that way that I feel like I can actually empathize and connect with my yeah. performers or actors or whoever they are um, to help them to feel comfortable in a yeah. situation that they may not with that may push them and expand them and help them grow but without you know leaving scars you mm -hmm. know emotionally or you know physically because like <laughs> doing horror stuff like if you know if you don't have the the kind of lack of sensitivity to it, <laughs> um, you know, it can be very affecting to actors mm -hmm. um, to be in those situations and have to do the same scene four or five times. That's just hard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that also happens with non-horror type stuff of sure. just stage acting, like some of the parts of Shakespeare that are so damn intense can yeah. leave lasting effects on people. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's good to try and do something that you're not comfortable <laughs> with when you're writing it for other people to do. Yeah. Um, and if nothing else, it makes you a better writer. It's like taking an instrument that you haven't, yeah. you know, taken to be able to write better for like, say, double reeds. Mm. Um, just to know how hard it is to squeeze down with both your <laughs> lips on a pencil. Um, yeah. And then still be able to blow through it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, it's... And when I was an undergrad, I took probably a... 12 credit hours or more of different instruments mm -hmm. um, other than uh, percussion and voice. I took three semesters of voice in undergrad mm -hmm. and uh, two of percussion yeah. uh, just to have a better idea of how to write for it in terms of percussion. And then how, as a singer, just some more training because mm -hmm. I'd mostly been a choir singer or, you know, in other kinds of non-professional sure. music type scenarios. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I was, going to ask what advice do you have for people but you kind of already gave it yeah yeah I, yeah um learn just just learn don't be afraid to learn um and to try and create something in a field you're not comfortable with mm -hmm. um you know for me especially growing up in churches being a male um that dance was not something that was open to me Mm. Um, so I got to take martial arts and sure. I did a lot with that because it was, uh, I took Aikido, which is the Japanese, very flowing, fluid kind of style. And then really later, uh, uh, it's, <laughs> it's so much fun. And then later picked up a lot of weapons arts and melee weapons mm -hmm. in particular. Um, and then learned, uh, or started taking Tang Sudo, which is a Korean uh, style. Mm. Um, and it's also very similar, uh, very similar to Shotokan, which is a Japanese style. Mm. Um, and it's much more heavy, blocky, hard hitting <laughs> and kind of in the same way of music of like learning to play in different, you know, eras of music and different styles. Yeah. In the same way, you begin to start be able to mix and match and piece it together mm -hmm. 
and dance was always a fascination for me that I didn't get to, yeah. you know, explore legitimately. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I always have loved going to, you know, watch dancers yeah. and getting to work with them because I, I see music fluidly in that way yeah. as movement because, yeah. you know, to me, uh, you know, like one of the things that makes me a good audio engineer um, in terms of fixing and problems and troubleshooting mm-hmm. is being able to walk into a room and visualize accurately how the sound is going to reflect around it. And when you're a performer, that changes where you sit in the room. When you're a composer, that changes how you write for the room Mm -hmm. when you know the venue ahead of time. Um, Especially in electronic music because then (laughs) that's everything. But but yeah, it's just that act of creation and taking the time day Mm -hmm. by day to put in just 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever Mm -hmm. you have to just oh, practice overcoming the blank page problem of yeah. what do you start with? And you just you just have to practice just starting. Yeah. And like I'm also not a very talented visual artist in terms of being able to draw. I can mm-hmm. do neat things. You know, it's like mm-hmm. kind of like not being able to play an instrument well, but having all the composition knowledge. Sure. I can make relevant noise, <laughs> relevant sounds. Um, and in terms of visuals, I can make things that fit. Mm-hmm. but I can't just sit down and sketch out a house yeah, and yeah. be like, yeah, this is my dream home. You know, I can't do something like mm-hmm. that. Or this is how I want this set piece to look. Mm-hmm. I have to sit there with a ruler and a straight edge and do that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I do practice some freehand drawing occasionally, but that's just, you know, it's never anything good, you know, to me at least. <laughs> you know? But it, at the same time, it's the the practice and of just doing one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And like when I compose or sit down for my half hour kind of sessions of just um, to, you know, improvise and everything yeah. that, you know, like I said, I'll pick just three or four things as limitations mm-hmm. of I want to be in this kind of key or this kind of bow strokes on, on cello in particular, um, this kind of tempo, the, you know, these kinds of yeah. rhythm patterns, these kinds of melody, melodic fragments. And I'll try my best to keep those in my head and just play with those without ever writing the note down yeah. on the page as a way of getting better at the mental practice yeah. of not being overwhelmed by the infinite palette <laughs> that is modern electronic anything. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, doing electroacoustic music, you mm-hmm. take all of the literature that's ever been written and you can do new things with it. Mm-hmm. And that, infinite palette can be so paralyzing Mm. and in the same way of learning to you know create or you know create something in a discipline you're not familiar with Mm. you know it's just that that practice of sitting down and going okay the page is blank Mm -hmm. where do i start what do i know about and you Mm. just you know whether you're a professional or an amateur or just even you know somewhere beyond either of those <laughs> ends of the spectrum whether you know you're bucket head and able to play any song <laughs> ever and then improvise all of the canon of human history into something you know <laughs> um, that you know or if you're just you know a child mm-hmm. um, that or if you're you know 80 years old and are starting to have dementia problems mm-hmm. that you know, as I tell people all the time when I'm, you know, moving instruments for them and all, all that, especially pianos, mm-hmm. of, you know, it's your grandkids may play. It's never too late for you to pick up one of their books and just go through it. 
you know, mm-hmm. just little bit by little bit. You got a degree. You graduated school when you were younger, yeah. back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you've lived a life. You've raised a family. Of course you can learn to play a scale on an instrument yeah. or revisit your clarinet that you set down 30 <laughs> years ago. And when with those people, especially working with church orchestras, because I've played in many and uh, as, mm-hmm. as a regular and also as a guest and... You know, it's just these people that you watch them over a course of three to five years, no matter what age they are, whether they started in middle school or, you know, they're now in their 70s, that when they play with the group and do, you know, either put, putting themselves into that situation where it's, you know, like a club kind of a mm-hmm. feeling where you go in and you're with like-minded people who are at similar levels yeah. and you just sit there and you work with them. You know, those kinds of pure things work for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just encourage people to go explore those, yeah. or even if it's Toastmasters, mm-hmm. and you know, learning to write a speech and not be afraid to stand sure. up and give it. Um, but whether it's art for oneself or art for everybody around yeah. you, you know, it's it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, therapeutically and educationally, and everything in between. You know, emotionally mm-hmm. and all of it. And yeah. So yeah, I try <laughs> try to try to help push that because yeah. that's it's good, you know, no matter what field somebody's in mm-hmm. and, and the difference is real and the science is backing it up and always has, you know, yeah. it's everybody's always known that like <laughs> music improves math and science scores. Yeah. It also improves reading. It also improves, you know, depending on if somebody's not dyslexic or other things, but mm-hmm. just broadly has a positive effect yeah. um, in the same way that any other form of exercise or practice yeah. does. And so, um, do it. Yeah, yeah, just go, just go do it. Just yeah. do it. <laughs> Make stuff. Yeah. The the last question I have, quite possibly the hardest one, cake or pie? Oh, pie, <laughs> pie. Oh, <laughs> I I think about it and say, like, oh, there's so many delicious cakes I've had, but just that pie and the different <laughs> fillings you can put it, and all the varieties worldwide, and you know, you can have meat pies and other stuff too, like shepherd's <laughs> pie, and you know, shepherd's pie is easily my favorite just favorite food food <laughs> of you know it's not fancy it's just a bunch of stuff in a pot and you, you bake it in the oven or a pan and you bake it in the oven and it's just delicious but um but just oh pie <laughs> <laughs> oh, great yeah. uh, <laughs> john thank you for doing this with me absolutely thank you for having so me. great um where can we find you and your things um on uh for the most part right now on Instagram and YouTube, I have the Twitch account and other stuff, but at, at the moment, those are my most active. Mm-hmm. Um, that Instagram, I've just gotten the best traction for posting music, funny enough, more than mm-hmm. anything, because you know, you're limited to a minute, but sure. in that minute, people will actually listen to it. Yeah. Um, and especially now that I've gotten to know more of the flow arts community uh, mm-hmm. on there, um, just there... You know, there's people out there that actually do listen to music. The hard part yeah. is figuring out how to get paid for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can find me on Instagram and YouTube and Twitch at, at TuneSelectGo. I'll spell that out. Mm-hmm. Tune as in tune, like tuning an instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, T-U-N-E, select as it's spelled, and go as it's spelled with no spaces. Yeah. And, <laughs> and where I got that from was just a you know the ready steady go kind of idea that mm. you know athletes will use but <laughs> as a way of just kind of in that sense of just sit down and just create something it's you know setting the palette picking what you're going to do and just doing it nice um and that's 
that's kind of become my my work philosophy in, mm-hmm. as an artist and it made a really nice handle so i really yeah, like yeah. that and so cool. yeah <laughs> and otherwise uh, you'll see uh, usually professionally i go by jr edwards on stuff so you'll mm-hmm. see that you know facebook and other things but sure. yeah but yeah <laughs> just find me anywhere and if you can't find me somewhere find somebody who can't find me cuz yeah. i'm just going to keep putting stuff out there and hopefully something catches yeah exactly uh yeah check your stuff out it always looks really cool. It always sounds really cool. <laughs> so like you're always making something interesting or trying you to know, <laughs> something that sounds cool. And so it's just yeah. a lot of the times I do find myself going like, how did he or it's amazing how many times sometimes I ask how, myself or how. sometimes why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and the answer to why is because yeah. Just can um, because you know in the in the practice of learning to be a better musician, artist, vi- you yeah. know, videographer, and all the rest of that, going out and doing it like going to the redwood forest in California was, you know, in an hour and a half I took four hundred plus pictures. <laughs> um, when I was in the Mojave for about the same amount of time, it was yeah. the same thing of just you know sitting down with a camera because it's a full it's the lumix gh5 and so it's just a full-on professional camera Mm -hmm. that's better than anything i have any right to have but i did a lot of (laughs) digging and found a good deal nice um and it was totally worth it getting Mm -hmm. that um it has amazing color um (laughs) and just being able to take 6k photography and 4k cinema video um is is phenomenal but you know, for me, it's I have a physics understanding of like <laughs> what the f stop is and what you know how focal points work yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of that. But this camera has all of that and more. Mm-hmm. And then on the digital side, it can do like polyfocus over two hundred and fifty-five boxes um, <laughs> that you can sit there and select like just different like leaves on a tree and have it be focal you know points at different places. It's crazy. Yeah. Everything's um, a rabbit hole. Yeah, and and so with that though, it's you know I you know, took the pictures and set, did, you know, different settings on different preset mm. mod parts of it so that I could just flip back and forth and see, you know, okay, how does this change things? How does this change yeah. things? How does this change things? Because re- reading the manual and learning about the theory won't teach you how to do it practically. Yeah. And so there's a lot of just, you know, you have to sit down and experiment if you're going to get better at expressing things the way that you want to yeah. the first time and not having to spend 10 hours in post <laughs> editing a minute and a half of video. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as, as we're all familiar with. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, but yeah, again, thank awesome. you. Thank you for having me in your uh, space. And, thank you. Uh, thank you. It's, it's so nice to have you over after, you know, I've known you for about a year now, yeah, yeah. give or take. And it's just <laughs> finally having the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm Santiago Ramones. And I'm Jonathan Edwards. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. There's a demo that you can download from Bandcamp. You can pay it's zero good. money or pay really hundreds of dollars. I don't care. Uh, well, thank you for uh, mm-hmm. listening to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, there's also this podcast, which you can uh, leave reviews on iTunes or uh, Stitcher, or you can leave comments on YouTube or on my website. You can always interact and you can always say things and uh, leave reviews because that helps a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, 
I always end my podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. I like it. <laughs> oh, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>